0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hello, it's Paul Byron, by the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam here. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Moldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA.
2: Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the adela
1: This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski
3: Oceanic. Major Junior
0: They were the best in the QMJHL and now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions
3: NCAA
0: Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet the bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions The World Juniors Time winding down and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style the NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program Jack Hughes.
3: And more. Unbelievable. Wow. That's incredible. This is the Pipeline Show.
0: All right. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. Thank you once again for coming back for another episode or if this is your first episode. And welcome to the program and I hope that... It won't be your last, and you'll be back for more. Thanks, uh, special thanks to everyone who has signed out to be a patron. Patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show is where you can do that. And for a couple of bucks a month, you get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the Pipeline Show. So the interviews that you're going to hear on this episode, uh, most of them have been available for two or three days at least. One of them I did actually yesterday, which is why this, uh, the Release of the full episode is coming uh, on Saturday as opposed to uh, Friday, which is uh, when it normally would come out. I've actually had a few uh, patrons who have uh, stopped uh, supporting the show, and I don't want to believe that that was because of the last couple of episodes uh, that were dealing a little bit more with uh, race issues and uh, things like that. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, I have lost a few patrons. So I guess extra thanks to those who uh, are continuing. Had to support the pipeline show, and uh, we will get back to hockey. And this is not a show with a lot of social commentary. Although I am not one to believe in the whole uh, "stay in your lane" or you know, stick to sports. That you hear anytime somebody says anything, uh, and people uh, one person disagrees with it, that's what they throw out. I think that's garbage. Everybody has a, a right to their opinion, but not a right to their own facts. Facts are facts. All right, let's get to the show. And usually I would start with the question of the day, but nothing going on, so I don't really have a question of the day for you. Uh, let's get to some news and notes. Uh, I think everybody knows Hockey Canada has basically canceled all of their uh, summer camps, uh, like the Ivan Holinka tournament and the uh, the U20 summer showcase. Uh, but they did announce the uh, the teams or the players who would have been invited to the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup camp 46 players. As far as I know, the U.S. is still holding their summer camp for the U-20 uh, with uh, Finland and Sweden, but Canada not participating this year. The uh, World Junior Tournament is supposed to be here in Edmonton. So far, that hasn't uh, no announcement has been made in regards to that, other than at the moment it's still scheduled as planned. I know Hockey Canada does have a, a Program of Excellence camp going on right now for uh, goalies. Uh, But it's a virtual camp, which to me makes it sound like they're all wearing VR helmets or something like that. But uh, I do have a guest on the show today who's taking part in that camp this week, or who I guess at this point would have taken part in the camp, past tense. How about we'll talk to him? I'll tell you who that is in a little bit. Dartmouth College has found their new head coach. Reed Cashman is his name. He was an assistant with the Washington Capitals. And speaking of uh, college commitments... Long Island University—they are definitely filling up their roster. Here's uh, the names that they have announced so far: uh, Jordan DeCicco from the Brooks Bandits, and I—I might be really butchering that name. I don't—I don't know Jordan at all. Uh, DeCicco, DeSico. Anyway, out of the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, then they have uh, Marty Westshaver from uh, Victoria. Connor Smool is an American. Madoka Suzuki, according to Elite Prospects, is a uh, Japanese but has uh, been in Canada for the last uh, five or six years at least, uh, and was playing in uh, Ontario in the CCHL. Uh, Nolan McElhenney transferring from the University of New Hampshire. Also got a pair of players from the Prince George Spruce Kings. That would be Nolan Welsh and uh, Preston Brodziak. Dane Dubois coming out of the AGHL with the Bonneville Pontiacs, but he's a BC kid. Robert McCollum is another Canadian, but played in the USHL with Muskegon. Uh, Mitch Meek. Transferring from Michigan Tech, he's also also Canadian. Uh, Aaron White goes from the Amarillo Bulls of the NAHL. Gustav Mueller from uh, the Madison Capitals out of the USHL. Uh, Brad Ong of uh, Quinquitlam. And uh, Jacob Franzak uh, from the Sheward Park Crusaders out of the AJ. So a number of players, uh, no goalies yet, but uh, have seen some uh, people reporting that there's a goalie or two in the uh, transfer portal that... Uh, liu might be circling around there's a shark button for you not a whole lot of signings at nhl related here lately but going back to the start of june arthur kaliav and uh, jordan spence both drafted and both signed now by the la kings the detroit red wings uh, signed a swedish defenseman albert Johansson. buffalo signed lawrence pulitt who is playing in russia but he's swedish the Dallas Stars, this one surprised me a little. Cut ties with Andre Valla, a defenseman who is still only 22 years old. Played a couple of years for them in the uh, ECHL mostly. A little bit with their American League team as well, but only 22 years old. But uh, they put him on waivers for unconditional waivers to uh, terminate that contract. So Valla will probably head back overseas unless somebody else signs him. But that one surprised me a little bit. Hey, do you know the tap room is now back open? Troubled Monk in Red Deer. The tap room is back open. You can stop by and uh, check out all the uh, the brews that they have on tap there. But if you're in Calgary or Edmonton or uh, Sherwood Park or Saint Albert and you want to get some Troubled Monk, same day delivery if you order b- before one o'clock. I'll tell you we were having a uh, campfire in the backyard last night, and I was uh, thoroughly enjoying a Troubled Monk, uh, a Juicy Gossip IPA from uh, Troubled Monk. Couple of them, as a matter of fact, and sad to say, or maybe excited to say, but uh, my last shipment is uh, pretty much tapped out, so I'll be putting my order together here in uh, probably this coming week. To get another delivery, and you can too. TroubledMonk.com is the website. Let them know the pipeline show sent you, and they will treat you extra special. Speaking of my wife living in our driveway in a trailer provided by Arcan RV. For all of your uh, RV and, and camping uh, requirements, totally check out Arcan RV locations in Calgary and Edmonton all, as well as uh, car stairs. And man, I had to go and uh, pick up a hose to uh, empty the water tanks. And just they're, they're just so helpful. It's fantastic. I couldn't recommend them uh, any higher than uh, than I am. I know if and when the day comes where uh, we're in a situation where we're looking to buy a trailer or a camper or something like that or a motorhome, uh, that is definitely the first place that we will be calling. Just great folks and uh, really helping us out out of the kindness of their heart. Okay, I mentioned the Troubled Monk hotline. Here's who's uh, coming down the pipe today and you will hear on the Pipeline show this week. we are going to start things off with a uh, a long conversation with a uh, former WHLer, played with the uh, Brandon Kings. That's the team that drafted him. Then he was traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings and finished his uh, career with the... Prince George Cougars, then played a year in the ECHL for a couple of different teams, uh, then transferred and uh, used his WHL scholarship package to play at Nate, the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, and now he's an honest-to-God actor, and uh, Clark Wilson uh, will join us to tell us about that transition, what life is like for him in Vancouver, uh, tell us about some of the roles that he's had already. And we'll also look back at his WHL career. And, of course, I wanted to pick his brain about uh, all the racial tension that we're seeing uh, unfolding here, especially in North America, mostly in the United States, but a lot of it here in Canada as well. And I wanted to get his perspective on uh, what he's seeing and what he's feeling about that. From there, we'll go to uh, one of those players who has signed with uh, the Long Island Sharks, uh, Dane Dubois, who played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League the last couple of years with the Bonneville Pontiacs. And we'll talk to him. Because I wanted to know, how does this happen? How does this all come about? This is a guy who does not have any junior uh, eligibility left. So, you know, two months ago, what were his plans for next year? And how did uh, Long Island uh, come into play for him? So we'll talk to him about that. And we'll uh, close it out today with a 2020 draft spotlight. One of the top goaltenders available this year is a Western Hockey League goaltender. So it's also an in-the-dub segment. Dylan Garand of the Kamloops Blazers will be my guest, but we will kick things off with uh, Clark Wilson, now uh, formerly of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Brandon Weekings, and the Prince George Cougars. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. <laughs>
1: Hi, this is Curtis Lazar of
2: the Edmonton Oil Kings. Hey, it's Brett Pollock. Hi, I'm Keegan Wolf. Hey, it's Tristan Jarry. Hi, this is uh, Lauren Brousseau. Griffin Reinhardt. This is Aaron Irving. Hey, it's Dyson Mayo. This is Henrik Samuelsson. I'm Thomas Wintour. Hey, I'm Mark Pasek of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us.
1: Visit arcanrv.com for details and start planning your best trip ever.
3: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
0: That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Back on The Pipeline Show, we're going to have a, an in-the-dub segment. as is my guest, a former WHLer, now turned master thespian. And uh, pleasure to get a chance again to speak with uh, Clark Wilson, formerly of the Edmonton Oil Kings and the Prince George Cougars, and before that, the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, Clark, welcome back to The Pipeline Show. How are you?
2: Great. Thank you for having me. It's good to, good to be here.
0: Well, I appreciate you making the time and I know you're uh, actually, what are you doing these days out in BC? Uh, you were just telling me off the air that uh, you're getting back to work.
2: Yeah, so my my uh, my day job is, or my night job I should say, is I work at Cactus Club here, just uh, bartending and serving. But um, the main reason why I moved out to Vancouver was to uh, pursue an acting career. Um, and I've been doing that for about three years now. And There's just a lot of that uh, film industry going on here in Vancouver. Uh, It's called the Hollywood of Canada and Mm -hmm. um, just a lot of opportunity. And uh, my uncle uh, is also an actor, so I kind of learned the ropes from him. And he's um, helped me a lot along the way with what to expect in the industry and everything. But um, yeah, so as of right now, Cactus Club, server bartender by night and then uh, pursuing acting is my uh, main goal right now.
0: That's kind of the classic story, isn't it? Uh, I mean, there are so many mm-hmm. in that field now who look back at their time when they were just starting out, and yeah, they were waiting tables yeah. or bartending too.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, a lot of the other staff I work with at not only my location, but from people I've heard of also who work at other restaurants in the city. It it seems that uh, being you know in the in the restaurant industry is one of the um, more popular Uh, jobs that actors choose to do just because the schedule is so flexible and uh, we often have to keep our mornings open for auditions and stuff and then evenings we can work so um, yeah that's basically why I think a lot of actors go in the restaurant industry and the money's pretty good
0: yeah okay (laughs) that's fair Uh, I know a production uh, for a lot of uh, movies and and tv shows kind of been put on hold for the last few months because of the whole global pandemic Mm -hmm. are things starting to uh, get rolling again
2: Yeah, I think so pretty pretty soon here. Um once they get into the once they get more details on what they want to do for phase two over here and um but I have received a couple of emails from some productions that I was working on prior to the uh when everything shut down and um they're asking me if I'd be comfortable coming back here as early as uh um the beginning of July and I said, Yeah, no I'm, I'm I'm ready to go, so whenever you need me. So hopefully within the next month or so, I'm I'm hoping.
0: Clark Wilson is my guest uh, now. Well, maybe we should go through your, your IMDb page. We don't get to say that a whole lot on this show. <laughs> we talk to a lot of guys, you know, we look at their profile on Elite Prospects, but we don't get to do a whole lot of IMDb, but... It's you know I think a lot of people know that you've been on the, the Flash and um, mm-hmm. but there's there's a lot of series that you've a, appeared on uh, so that's really cool how do you, how did you first get into this uh, in the first place so you mentioned your uncle but uh, you mm-hmm. must have had the the bug a little earlier than that even
2: yeah well I mean I it's 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 interesting to like to think to think back on uh, you know how I how I was as a as even a kid growing up and even while playing hockey in the dressing room and on the bus and everything and I've mm-hmm. anyone who asks me this question it's I always just I felt like I've always been, you know, kind of a an entertainer and I've always enjoyed making people laugh and uh, you know, in in school and in, in elementary I was, you know, the kid that always, you know, had to crack a joke or was getting in trouble from now now and then. But um so I think that it's always kind of been a part of me where I've, you know, enjoyed um entertaining people and a prime example would be that uh Christmas that Oil King's Christmas video that we did back in the day and um so things like that I was, you know, always comfortable doing and willing to do. And so uh and I've always just enjoyed um television and and movies and everything and just uh and then like you mentioned my uncle too, he, he um told me a lot of good things about it and you know he he had seen the oil kings videos he'd seen you know other other videos i did i had to when i was going to nate i had to make a couple projects a couple videos and i always had fun with those too and he said you know you you would do really well acting you should really consider it. and so um talked to him a bit and then talked to my parents and decided to move out here upon graduating from uh nate and it's been a, a good journey ever since and so just it's one of those things that you got to just kind of stick with and then hopefully uh your big break will eventually come
0: i know that christmas video it was it came to mind for me too when i was looking back and, and thinking you know about this interview and uh, it, there's something to be said about being comfortable in front of the camera and willing to just be goofy and, and be mm-hmm. and and not care if people are kind of laughing at you or something like that. And I I I imagine that doesn't come naturally for a lot of people, but for you it doesn't seem like it was a problem at all. I mean, you had a you had a blast. You were the star of that video.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I can't remember who our uh, media relations guy was that year, but yeah, he he came up to me and basically asked if I wanted to know, you know, be a kind of the star of this oil Christmas video that he had planned and I was like oh hell yeah no for sh- uh, for sure I'll do that I- I'd love to do that and immediately jumped on the opportunity and um, yeah no for sure there's a lot of people who you know, get camera shy or you know have aren't able to get up in front of the camera and I guess it's it's different when you're doing interviews you know, post game interviews on the camera that's that's one thing and you know, then there's obviously that cliche with how, you know, hockey players answer questions and everything. But mm-hmm. it's another thing to actually be in front of the camera and, you know, performing and so yeah, a lot a lot of people can do that. But they'd be surprised if they, you know, were were just asked to pick up a script and just, you know, have fun with it, that how how freeing it can be. And um but yeah, no, I've loved it and I've I've always loved it, so
0: we're kind of working backwards, starting you going with current events to back towards your hockey career, but in between yeah. the acting and, and the WHL days, you were at Nate, as you mentioned. What did you take there? Did it have some sort of, uh, you know, avenue to get to where you are now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I took uh, the radio and television program, but I was uh, doing the television. So the first semester, we were also with the uh, radio students, and we kind of, both were learning um, the same things just at the start, but then second semester, we all split up and there was just radio and television. But uh, mm. yeah, no, I think I learned um, you know a lot of things from there. Uh, I initially took the course because it um, explained that you know, I would learn camera operating skills and, and editing skills and script writing, um, script writing for obviously news and stuff like that. But um, so... I, I did want to learn those things too, and at that point, I don't think I officially decided that I wanted to go into acting. When I first went to Nate, it probably wasn't until about my second semester that I really decided that okay, acting is what I want to do. But when I initially went there, I thought you know maybe I would you know work for Sportsnet one day or have my own kind of show like like you or even like Cabby, someone like that. I really enjoy watching and. Um so those were all thoughts in my mind and then uh and then yeah I just kind of decided to uh transition over into acting but it did definitely teach me a lot of um stuff on the production side so like I said operating the camera and I do enjoy editing too and stuff like that cuz um being able to act is one thing but if you're able to have all those other things in your arsenal where you can produce things and um know how, how a camera works and all that stuff that just adds more um you no know, baggage to yourself and mm-hmm. I, i've always thought potentially I might want to you know direct something one day as well or be a producer as well and not just do acting so all that stuff definitely did help in um in my education.
0: Uh, That makes sense for sure. Now, when it comes to the acting, the skill of acting or the craft, whatever you, whatever you thespians uh, like they call it, uh, I mean, it, mm-hmm. in the WHL in high school, I don't know if you were you had time to take a drama class or anything like that. So uh, mm-hmm. how, how do you become an actor?
2: Yeah, well, so originally my original plan actually before Nate was to go to um, the University of Lethbridge because they do have a drama program but my english grade wasn't uh wasn't good enough so um that's the important lesson here is to you know focus on school and <laughs> it is important so but to get into acting yeah no it's it's a completely it's a, it's a different world i mean um when i first started learning how to act or you know the the craft is what we call it um you know i always i started reading all these acting books and um trying to remember all these things and um, it can be like a lot of information for someone who's just learning how to do it. Cause it's, it's a lot more, uh, it can be a lot more complex than just reading lines and just saying them out loud. It's, you got to really be able to, to tell the story of the words and, you know, make sure that that story is coming across properly. And if not, you got to be willing to take directions from the director and you just got to really be able to understand how a story works and where you are in the story and, What kind of emotions a specific scene calls for and stuff like that but um as i've been doing it longer now it it it, it's like almost second nature to me where i can i can memorize scripts a lot easier um i can pick up on things i didn't necessarily pick up on in the script when i first started um like even little nuances in the words it's like it's difficult sometimes at the start when you just read the words on the paper and you're not really sure how, you know, you should be saying it or what the proper tone is. And right. and um, I had that happen to me on set with Flash one time, and um, the the actor said to me said something to me, and I said, "Never saw you." And he, um, the director was like, "No, you, you're you're saying that as if he, you're allowing him to pass you. It's it's more like, well, I never saw you." You know, so it's like little things like that, and um yeah, but it's uh there's a lot of work that goes into it, and some actors do a lot more than others i I like to keep my my work simple and um not overthink it. There's one thing I've learned is it can't be too hard on yourself if you don't like in scene study class, I would do a scene, and if I felt I didn't do it right or you know good, then I would really get down on myself but mm now you you got to just kind of see the the art in it no matter what you're still you know attempting to do something and there's no really such thing as bad work in acting you can you know always improve it maybe but um so now I'm a lot more a lot more uh um, easier on myself when it comes to how I approach my work
0: is there something to be said when you look back at your hockey career you know you, you make a mistake in a game or in a practice it's about learning and getting better each and every game and, and uh, is there mm-hmm. some is, does that translate at all to to what you're learning now as an actor?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at guys like some of the best players in the NHL who are the best players, like guys like Connor McDavid or um, you know uh, Leon Draisaitl, guys like that. They they do mess up. Like they are not they're not perfect hockey players. Um, I mean, McDavid's pretty close to perfect, but they do make mistakes and um, you know, a lot of the times they'll just, they'll shake it off. They'll be confident in themselves that they're, they're going to go out the next shift and do something and um, provide, you know, offense for their team. And so that's um, definitely something I trans- translated from hockey was just, um, you know, just focus on the next shift. And in acting terms, just focus on the next audition. If you, if I don't do good in this one or, or I don't get this one, then there'll be another one. So there's, there's always going to be other opportunities and you got to just kind of shake it off.
0: How long did it take for you to to feel like you uh comfortable going to an audition or to a on set that you belonged mm-hmm. there that you weren't like sort of an imposter that was, you know, looking over yeah. your shoulder waiting for the tap on the shoulder telling you to get out of here?
2: Yeah, well, I mean there's there's only like a handful of casting directors here in the city. So, but yeah, my first couple ones it was it was like, where do I sit? What do I do? What do I go? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a new environment completely. And so having all those nerves already built up and then you have to go into the room and there's a camera pointing at you and it's just you and two other people and you're doing the scene and they're just watching you. So it did take a little bit of getting used to, um, like I said, I do enjoy being in front of the camera, but also being in an audition room is a lot different than being on set. So like, being on set you have everything there you need the props um the set in itself is you know actually what you're going to be working in not just a tiny little room with a camera so it's you got to have a good imagination but it did take me uh, a couple while to feel like okay i'm confident I'm, I'm going to go into this room i know who i'm going to see i know what the room looks like um everything so i would say a couple months and then uh, the first time i was on set though i was Static and super excited, and everyone was super nice, and I, so I feel out. I'm always less nervous going to on set than I am going into auditions.
0: Clark Wilson is my guest. Played uh, a number of years in the WHL. What I want to say, four years. Did you actually play parts of five uh, seasons in the dub? Wow, that's a full career yeah. for sure. Um, let's talk about your WHL days a little bit. And you know, you've been, uh, you know, out of the league for four or five years now when you look back what are the immediate memories that come to mind what were some of the highlights that you think of
2: um well i think for sure getting traded to edmonton um, getting to play at home and living uh with my family that was um a really good uh thing for me just as a young as a young uh, kid who had to move away um at 16 at first play hockey i know some kids uh are better with it than others, but, um, not to say I was homesick, but I just think my maturity level wasn't where it needed to be, uh, when I was 16 and moved away. So going back home really grounded me and, um, forced me to put my head on straight, you know, living with parents who actually will, you know, discipline you and stuff like that. So, um, that was, that was a, a big thing for me. And then, um, obviously just winning the, whl championship and going to the memorial cup and showing again that was uh, a memory i'll never forget um it was just a a great bonding experience and a great time with all the guys there in in quebec and um and then other than that i mean even playing for nate uh was also a really good memory for me just because the last year i played hockey there we went uh 36 and 0 and won every game and so i think that was a a good way to end my hockey career. So (laughs) yeah.
0: No kidding. Can't get any better than that. You also had the one year in the ECHL uh, as well, the split between Mm -hmm. a a couple of different teams. But when you were done with your WHL eligibility, that one year in in Prince George or a year and a half, uh, and you're making that choice, so what do I do? Do I sign in the ECHL and go play, or do I make use of the scholarship? What sort of uh, uh, things were you balancing when you were trying to make that decision?
2: Yeah, I think... um as in my 20-year-old year, I was having my best year, um, like offensively. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think that was my career high in points that year, and so I think throughout this season, um, you know, I was just trying to play my best and trying to, because I had been, I had been to two NHL camps before that year, um, and so I knew this being my last shot, um, I wanted it to be my best year, and I was having my best year, and so. I just kind of wanted to see what happened and I had a good feeling, um, even talking with my agent at the time that there were teams who were interested in looking at me. And so, um, once I got the offer for the ECHL, um, that was just really exciting for me. And I think if I could go back now, I'd pro- probably still do it the same way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was just excited just cause. Then I got the camp invite from Vancouver, and then so that was just more fuel to the fire and excitement. And then, um, once I got to the coast though, and uh, it was in Indy, Indianapolis, um, started the year there really well. And, um, it's it's strange because they only have they only run three lines with so 10 forwards in the ECHL, as far as I know, if okay. they still do that. And so, um, no, I was the third line guy or once in a while, the 10th guy for a little while and um, doing the same things I was doing in, in oil Kings for the most part, you know, fighting and being that energy guy. And then once I got traded to Stockton, um, that's when things kind of, you know, I was still loving playing, love playing the game and enjoying it. And the the fans there were amazing too. And but once I was there, that's when I started thinking about, okay, what do I really want to do? Like, am I going to continue to grind here in the coast for God knows how many years and hopefully get an AHL deal? And then, okay, if I get an AHL deal, then am I going to grind for another X amount of years and then try and get an NHL deal? Or I can go play in Europe, which was um, a lot of my friends actually do. And Mm -hmm. that probably would have been my choice before uh, staying in the coast. But um, then I just started thinking about other things I was interested in. And then I thought about the acting and the entertainment industry. And so I, That's why I decided to uh, go to Nate and then um, thought, hey, maybe I'll have a a sports desk career or a cabbie in the street kind of job. And that's all led me to here now. So, yeah.
0: All right. And the two years at Nate, uh, was you used your scholarship package for that, right? So it's worked out well.
2: Yeah. So I don't know if I technically still have that. I think the scholarship money is gone now. But yeah, yeah, so I ended up only using two out of the five, which is uh, still pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, the other reason I wanted to chat with you today, Clark, and I feel like I buried the lead here a little bit, but with all the uh, racial tension that's going on, especially uh, south of the border, but in this country as well, I wanted to get your perspective uh, and during Mm -hmm. your WHL days and before that and just in in life in general, what your perspective is and and, um, how your feelings are about everything that's happening right now. Can you kind of share some thoughts with us?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's, uh, such a crazy time um, that we're all living in right now. I mean, we started the year off with a global pandemic and now that's kind of in the back burner now with Mm -hmm. all this uh, Black Lives Matter stuff going on. And um, I just think, uh, and I mean, people were, you know, forced to stay in their homes for a couple of months. And whether they were, you know, the people that were on their phones or watching the news or you know, that stuff before, they they were kind of almost forced to be those kind of people during the pandemic, you know, being on their phones or doing office meetings via Zoom. And so technology, I feel really uh, boomed. And so now with the George Floyd thing that was obviously captured and other things going on are being captured via, you know, video. And so now I just think everyone was kind of forced into, you know, their own confinements. And then, you kind of get that freedom to start going out a bit. And then the first thing people want to do is start protesting. And I, I think that just shows a lot of um, like passion and growth in the human race. And I just think now people are starting to, you know, realize that, you know, black, black people in the, in the States and all around the world have, um, you know, not necessarily been treated the right way. And um, I just think everyone's wanting to come together and force on this change. And, Um, and it's, uh, actually really inspiring and it's made me myself being, um, you know, a mixed human being with a black dad and a white mom, but it's, it's made me more curious about, you know, my black history and my black heritage. And I think that's, what's happening with a lot of people is they're really allowing themselves to be educated on, you know, black lives and, you know, some very historical people in the past have been black and. Um, I just think that when, you know, in schools and stuff like that, they're not necessarily taught that stuff. And mm-hmm. so they don't know, and no one knows, like, what, you know, what's, what went on or what happened. And so I just think, you know, that needs to be addressed too, is, um, you know, teaching more black history. And, um, cause I'm 27 now, and there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know and didn't take upon myself to learn or to know and understand. So it's good to see that people are,
0: opening up their minds and
2: being, you know, more welcoming with that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, it's really truly remarkable to see.
0: Did you experience uh, racism firsthand uh, during your playing career, uh, especially in the WHL? I mean, were there racial slurs and Mm. and things like that that you had to battle through?
2: Not so much in the, uh, in the WHL, but it was more so playing like minor hockey. So when I was even younger and with, with the younger kids and they, I, I give them more. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like saying it out loud now. So it's I would always give them the benefit of the doubt. Not I would get upset, but after you know it, knowing what I know about that word now, the N word, and like what black people before me went through, it's to think now that you know I kind of just always let it brush off or laugh it off. Um, I feel wasn't necessarily right, but yeah, it happened more so in, in uh, minor hockey and um, and not so much in the WHL. But uh, yeah, so I, I would say it happened more so more so then.
0: Wow. So when it would happen, what do you do? Like, I mean, can you address mm-hmm. it to? Do you tell your coach or anything, or was that before you know that kind of stuff was happening that you could go somewhere and 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 complain?
2: Yeah, and so that comes with the. Uh, I mean, I would obviously always go tell my parents and um, they would, my dad is really, is really old fashioned. And he, you know, I, I would, I would tell them sometimes when it would happen, he'd say, well, why didn't you do something? I said, well, I want to keep playing. Like I don't want to get kicked out of the game, which is fair because that is what would happen. So I think I would mostly just kind of laugh it off, (laughs) like pretend it didn't bother me or, you know, um, swear at them or something. But um I do believe there was one time I was playing summer hockey and a guy on the other team said it to me and um he was actually indigenous so um he said it but he called me the n-word and then I I believe we got into a fight so that would have been when I was like 14 um that got a little heated but um but yeah I just think it's uh it's one of those things where you you want to say something you want to speak up and even when I was, you know, playing, there were times in the WHL when I was, uh, some guys would, they would just make jokes, you know, like, um, racial jokes or we would be out for getting a meal or something. And they would say stuff like, you know, um, are you going to have the chicken or stuff, something like those kind of jokes. And so, but again, it never really affected me in a negative way. And I just think it's because, you know, I playing hockey you're. For me, anyways, I was always only the only black person on my team mm. and um, so going into the dressing room for the first time at a young age is I was like, "Oh, well, this must be normal like and i didn't feel any different. No one really made me feel any different, um, but the players sometimes, yeah, they would say stuff, and you know I would joke along with it, but you know that's all coming from you know a past of that being accepted and okay to say those kind of things whether it be you know in rap music or from their parents or I don't know where they're hearing it but it's just become accept. it just was acceptable at the time it's kind of like thinking now when um you know with uh with all the the gay rights and everything went, went on with that movement like it was always kind of cringy to see it for some people but now it's kind of just like you don't even notice it now and that's kind of where I think we need to get with, you know, black, black people and everything is if you make a joke, like saying, oh, is he going to get the chicken or, you know, if um, something like that, it should make you cringe, like even saying that kind of stuff now, because it's like, oh, that's you're being racist. like that is a racist remark you're making. So um, I think now for me, like being older, if anyone were to speak, you know, or try to make a joke like that, it's I'd, I'd put it. I'd shut it down right away, just because there's there's not really any room for that anymore. And it's not just black people, but you know, all people of um, that's not the white race. Is they all we're all trying to fit in together. And I know black people aren't the only race that's struggling. And that's just the movement we're at at this point. So,
0: mm-hmm. uh, well said. Uh, and I know every every person's experiences will be different. Uh, I remember I, I wrote an article for the Hockey News with uh, Kendall McCardle, who was uh, in the league for. Uh, a long time and i went back and read that article because i was expecting it to be heavy on, on that subject and uh mm-hmm. looking back at that interview he said he actually didn't experience a lot of racism it was he had a, a speech impediment he uh, stuttered a lot and all he that oh. was that was the stuff that he had to deal with uh, but every i'm sure everybody's experiences are, are, are different your, your little brother coltrane plays in the league mm-hmm. his experiences might be different than yours is that stuff that he's had to deal with too
2: yeah we um we've been talking a lot lately about everything and, uh, we did, I helped him with that, uh, video that him and some other WHL players made. And, yeah. um, but yeah, no, he, uh, he definitely has experienced stuff too in hockey. And, um, I think we all have at, at one point, um, whether it be just something small or, or whatever, I think we, we, as a black, uh, community have all experienced something. And, um, it's just, uh, it's just because you know we're, whether they, some people like to admit it or not, it's just the the, the reality of the sport we play, and it is just a, a white dominated sport. And every time I would tell people I play hockey, that here in Vancouver, I'd tell them, and they'd be all, you know. It's not so much as um, out of the question living in Canada because obviously hockey is a really big sport in Canada, but mm-hmm. if I talk to anyone from the States, they're immediately confused or like, why didn't you play football or, or basketball or something? I said, well, I'm not tall enough for basketball, but um, yeah, football. And um, it's just, uh, you know, and from from the head coaches to the general managers, it's, um, you know, I, I just hope that one day I can see Um, you know, someone of color, uh, in charge and someone making the decisions. And, um, I just want the, you know, the black, the young black kids out there not to feel like they are out of place trying to, trying to play a sport like that and, you know, just to feel welcome and them getting the same opportunity as any other player on the team. And, you know, um, not everyone just thinking, oh, he's, you know, he'll be the fighter or he'll be the, the energy guy. You know, he's big and strong and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah it's that's the the hope i have for hockey in the future for sure
0: well said clark listen i i uh, kept you a lot longer than i expected that i would i really enjoyed that conversation though um, before i let you go well, what do you got coming up
2: uh well there was a show i i filmed here right before the right before covid hit but it was called debris and so um hopefully that'll be starting up shooting again soon but that is still in production, so you will be able to see me in that when that releases and then um other than that, yeah it's been it was starting to look like a big year for me, but uh you know obviously everything had to shut down, so that's that's okay, but when it starts up, I will um hopefully be getting a lot of looks here and there, so yeah,
0: is Officer Jones coming back uh, on the fly?
2: <laughs> I wish God, I get that question all the time it's uh <laughs> i i don't know why they arrested me i mean i you know i thought officer jones was a good guy and could have been a lot of help but uh i think the writers had their own you know vision for officer jones and but it regardless it was an awesome opportunity to be on that show and um it really you know helped my resume a lot so i'm grateful for it
0: great stuff clark i really appreciate your time today uh good luck moving forward
2: all right thanks a lot
0: Clark Wilson, formerly of the Edmonton Oil Kings, the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings, as well as the Prince George Cougars, the Nate Dukes, a couple of teams in the ECHL. And uh, more recently, you saw him on uh, shows like The Flash and Charmed and uh, Salvation, The Crossing, Van Helsing, and even uh, the rebooted Beverly Hills 90210, where he played the man. He was the man. You go back to that uh, Oil Kings uh, Christmas video, It's the Mariah Carey one, and he was all over that, man. He was really entertaining. Always been a character. Uh, and it was uh, great to catch up with him. And uh, great to hear his perspective on uh, all the upheaval and, and uh, strife. And, but man, I was really surprised when he said uh, the 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 racism he experienced in hockey was at a younger age. It was so disappointing. You just wonder where the parents are. But uh, as we've heard so often, uh, racism is not uh, something you're born with. It's something you learn. And... If the kids are racist, probably a good chance that their parents are too. Tough to hear. All right, but I thank Clark for his time. It was great to catch up and uh, looking forward to seeing him in more projects uh, in the near future. Next up on the Pipeline show, we're going to hear from a player who has uh, just this week has committed to the new Division One franchise, uh, the Long Island Sharks. He's played the last couple of years in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with the Bonneville Pontiacs, but he's played... Uh, In the Junior Club World Cup with the uh, AJHL All Star team that went over last summer. He's played in the indigenous games uh, as well. His name is Dane Dubois. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Pashnik with a fake shot and he goes the other way, spinning a couple more spins, two or three of them. Princeton Pashnik. Pashnik with a shot. He scores!
3: Hard down! Princeton Pashnik, are you
0: serious?
2: Hey, it's Princess Hashtag from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand scores. Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. Go! and James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey.
1: Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
3: Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: Yes! That's awesome! This is the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to have an NCAA Campus Report segment. It's also uh, inside the AJHL segment. Uh, my guest coming from the AJHL, but headed to the NCAA uh, Campus Report, always brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family that's looking to uh, keep all their options open and uh, need to know what they can and what they can't do to maintain their NCAA eligibility, College Hockey, Inc. is a great resource for that, you can get in touch with Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and uh, they'll help steer you in the right direction. Uh, let's bring in my guest who uh, comes to us after a couple of years with the Bonneville Pontiacs in the AJHL, Dane Dubois. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, Dane. How are you? Doing good, Ed. thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. Uh, tell me about this, this past season. I, I know it, it ended... Well, actually, you got to play your last game this year because, uh, unfortunately for the Pontiacs, you were bounced out in the first round of the playoffs, but unlike a lot of teams, you actually did get to play your last game. Uh, right after that, everything got canceled. But um, tell me about uh, the the early exit for the Pontiacs this year. You were upset by Drayton Valley. That that had to have been a surprise.
2: Uh yeah. Well, like you said, it was kind of kind of a funny moment. I mean, after everything was said and done, we were upset, obviously, about losing. And then um, once the season was over, we were kind of like, oh, well, I guess didn't really matter anyway but yeah at the same time uh you just hate you hate to see it go for the other teams that were supposed to you know move on and everything so and not even just our league everywhere everywhere else you know you hate to see it so um but yeah we knew that drayton was was going to be a a good matchup like um they were a good team they they played us hard they played us um you know the right way they had a good game plan for us um but, yeah, uh, we, we, we had higher expectations, that's for sure. But um, sometimes, I mean, that's just the way it is.
0: Yep, uh, the 4-5 matchup in the first round. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – I mean, on paper, it's an upset, but you were pretty close in the standings. And uh, so things like that happen. Uh, tell me about the season, though, for yourself and for the Pontiacs. Were you happy with the way things went this year? Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah, it was – Uh, I think it was a good season all around. Um, You know, there was definitely some ups and downs, but, I mean, everyone goes through that. We – uh had a pretty good start, had some had some good games in the first half. We I think we were in third, I think. We were in third to, uh after the break or before the break something like that. We were just chasing Spruce Grove for second and then we kinda went through a little uh slide there. We made some made some trades and kinda were just trying to get our footing and uh and and just trying to get back on track and then right towards the end of the end of the year we kind of still were just trying to find find our way and then we kind of just had a long little uh meeting well we had a couple meetings i guess with the team and with staff and no staff and that kind of thing and then we just turned it around uh in the end kind of just got got going and then uh playoffs came around and we thought we were pretty pretty ready to go i thought we were and then uh yeah like i said it was just kind of a kind of just a tough way to go because drayton just uh outplayed us i guess in the end so
0: well and for you on a personal level this year you, you bumped up from 51 points as uh, in your first year with the uh with the ax to uh 28 goals and 65 points this past season so on a personal level having a a jump ahead like that in your production i'm guessing there's some satisfaction that comes with that yeah
2: for sure um after my first season in Bonneville, with uh yeah like you said the the fifty one points I was looking to definitely come back as a twenty year old with more responsibility and I definitely wanted to try and produce more uh, offensively numbers wise and everything like that so um you know making that jump was definitely it um, was definitely something that I wanted to do, and I was happy to do um I kind of had a slow start i'd say with uh production offensively, but uh just kind of just you know. Just going through the games and just kind of getting used to things, just the way everything is going and the new season. And then got to give a lot of uh, <clears throat> I got to give a lot of credit to uh, my line mates, Lucas Thorn and Matt McKen. They definitely made made some plays easy on me, and they definitely uh, were a huge part of that uh, 14 point uh, jump.
0: Dane Dubois, my guest here with the Pipeline Show. Uh, he's from the Bonneville Pontiacs. Although your path to get to Bonneville. A little uh, different than uh, a lot of guys that play in the AJHL is you're a BC kid. And uh, uh, you actually had your rights uh, kind of bounced around the BCHL over the course of that one year. I think three different teams uh, at one point had held your rights. What was your BCHL experience like?
2: Um, Yeah, it was it was definitely something that uh, I really, really had a good time with and I really enjoyed. Um, definitely learned a ton in, in the BCHL. Uh, um, started out in Trail, had had a really strong team there, and uh, um, just yeah, like I said, just learned a lot. We had a ton of veteran guys that uh, carried the load that year, and they um, really showed me the ropes. And it's really fortunate <clears throat> to have uh, you know a veteran staff like that, uh, you know, to show that show the rookies way the way of junior hockey. And uh, mm-hmm. then after that season, um, yeah, I got traded to uh Cowichan in the off season, and then to Bonneville th- before the season started. So I wouldn't really say I played for Cowichan, but yeah. I got traded there before, in the middle before Bonneville. So
0: didn't you also play three games for Salmon Arm uh, before you started with Trail?
2: Yeah. Pl- Played three games for Salmon Arm uh, as an AP player in okay. uh, the year before.
0: All right, that's what it was. And then, um, so you get traded from Trail to couch. And how and what's the connection between Couchin and Bonneville? Uh, you know, you don't. I mean, we do see trades between leagues. I guess they're not uncommon, but maybe not expected either. What do you think of that though, when you first heard you're getting traded right out of the league?
2: Yeah, I, I was uh, really at first just. Uh, um, tons of emotion at first just because well um at first like I'm a I'm a BC um born like you said so I'm growing up watching like the Timberwolves back when we had back when Williams Lake had a team mm-hmm. in the BCHL so I'm watching like all the teams come in and out so I know the I know the league well and then playing there for a year like I it was just kind of like comfy so coming out to Alberta i, I probably could only name two or three teams when I first got traded not not like not even kidding yeah. like, I with no familiarity with the, with uh, the league at all so it was just a complete just going in blind so but I mean fortunate enough for me it was an unbelievable fit so I was I was uh really fortunate to have that opportunity to play in Bonneville with uh that type of culture that they have there so it was uh it worked out
0: Tough transition, though, to go from, you know, familiar surroundings to Bonneville. And I told you before we started the interview, I'm from Cold Lake and pretty good rivalry between Cold Lake and Bonneville. So I, I know that Bonneville is a terrible place to live because I'm from Cold Lake. But, uh, for you, and I say that tongue in cheek, but, uh, how long did it take you to get used to, uh, to, uh Bonneville?
2: Like, it, it was, uh, kind of tough at the start and kind of easy at the same time, if that makes any sense. Like, we were, uh, we were, uh, there was no ice in our, in our rink to start main camp for whatever reason. I think there was a, like, I don't know, something broke in the, okay.
1: In the rink. Okay.
2: <clears throat> so we had to uh, bus for main camp to Frog Lake, which is like 45 minutes both ways. So yeah. it was like the hardest main camp. Like <laughs> it was just kind of a tough, it was a tough one to get through because it was just always doing something, no downtime. So it was kind of hard to get get rolling, get the game going kind of for preseason and everything. But at the same time, I had an unreal billet uh, both years that I was in Bonneville. So, um, and then I got the opportunity to live with uh, my buddy, uh, Jeremy Gervais, from uh, past years that I've known him. So it was in that way really easy to uh, um, jump right in.
0: Yeah. Uh, is he uh, another guy from Bonneville? You knew him as a kid growing up, you said? Or not from yeah. Bonneville, but from BC? Yeah, him and I played uh,
2: midget and, and minor hockey and stuff together here and there. So
0: Nice. All yeah, right.
2: Coincidentally, landed in Bonnyville.
0: So now that uh, your uh, junior career is done, uh, I don't know what, you know, two months ago your plans were for next season, but then Long Island uh, University comes into play. Um, tell me about how that all came about.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Um, yeah, throughout the whole uh, year, well, I mean, I guess, my whole junior career I'd say um just kind of been looking for those uh uh just division one looks like those are kind of the goal if you're playing junior a mm-hmm. um I think as a 20 year old you feel it a bit more when you're not committed um so th- that's definitely something that I was always had on the back of my mind for for games and, and practices and stuff and um wasn't really getting a whole wasn't really hearing up here in the time so when I heard uh there was a new team coming up. I kind of was just thinking about just there just being some more spots open. So I just kind of kept, uh, just kept listening in seeing if anything was going to get announced. And then uh, yeah, then they announced uh, their coach and uh, really fortunate enough to get the call from uh, Brett Riley. And he just kind of, we just kind of chatted and things went from there and yeah, just luckily enough uh, of the opportunity.
0: So do you reach out to them or do they contact you or do you have an advisor that's kind of a, a go-between looking out for you and, and making that call for you? How, did, how does that all happen? Uh,
2: Yeah, I, I honestly don't know how, how that kind of thing works out. I don't uh, have an advisor or anything like that. My coaches in Bonneville were unreal with that kind of thing. They would always reach out and answer questions from teams if they ever uh, called. So they um, they definitely uh, had a huge part to play in that. They um kind of were acting as one i guess you could say so right. um yeah that's kind of how that happened
0: all right so coach swan uh, playing playing a role in that uh, perhaps uh, reaching out to the team or or maybe the team contacted him um how much yeah, do you so, know how much do you know about the university I, I mean i'll be honest 2 months ago i'd never heard of uh, liu and and now they're a division 1 hockey program
2: i'll be honest same with me i <laughs> uh, just just found out everything as well just new um everything's, uh, you know, just coming up online and stuff and I'm just reading it. So just kind of getting, getting to know everything as best as I can. But yeah, um, it's, it's all going to be brand new for everyone. So, um, I think it's not really anything you can, like, you know, you can just, re- you can read as much as you can, I guess, online and and ask the questions of the coach and stuff, but, um, just the experience wise, I guess it's just something that you have to go see.
0: So well, I, I know there was a former Pontiac who went to a team that was uh, just starting out as well. Brinson Pashnaka went to Arizona State. It's worked out pretty well for him, uh, having uh, now just signed with the San Jose Sharks. Hey, you're you're joining the Sharks too, but uh, Long Island uh, University. Is there something to be said about getting in in the first year where you're part of building a program like that? Is, is part of that the, the excitement for you?
2: Uh, yeah, I'd say so for sure. Um, definitely. Um, you know, just the opportunity to play division one is, is the main thing. Just obviously that's the huge goal that, you know, you wanted, you wanted to do. Um, but to have the opportunity to pave the way, I guess you could say to the, you know, the first season, you know, just to set the bar, um, on and off the ice, I guess is, is pretty exciting. Something to, uh, to just try and, you know, reach for and try and beat the next year. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely. A big part of the excitement.
0: I don't know how big of a fan base the Sharks have uh, at this point, but uh, for those uh, who will be supporting uh, that club, uh, what kind of a player are you? What should they expect uh, from Dane Dubois?
2: Um, hopefully, hopefully I can carry on uh, what I was doing in Bonnyville, just kind of jump right in and be an impact player right away. Uh, hopefully I can just uh, use use my speed, be offensive, uh, play play physical when I need to um, and, yeah, just play a full 200-foot game. That's hopefully you know, my main thing that I want to try and bring in right away.
0: You've had opportunities to play uh, you know, outside of the AGHL and the BCHL. You, you played in the, uh, the Junior Club World Cup in Russia last year with the uh, Alberta kind of an all-star team that went over. Uh, I'm wondering what that experience was like. You also played in the National Aboriginal Hockey Championships. Uh, what was that, a couple of years ago? Um, so you've had those sort of experiences too. Uh, take me back to the Russia trip, though. Uh, that, that had to have been fun.
2: Yeah, that was a blast. It was, um, I think it was like three and a half weeks, maybe four or, uh, four weeks long. Um, just a fun time in Russia. It was, uh, obviously you, you were on a pretty tight schedule and hockey was first, but the time that, uh, you were allowed to go away from the rink was an incredible experience. Like, uh, just seeing the, seeing the, just seeing Russia and seeing how, how you know just how they do things? I guess over there it's just different and um, really fun to experience. And then on the hockey side of things, it was also a ton of fun because uh, you're you're just on Olympic ice, um, you know, playing against playing against Russia and Finland and all these different different teams. So it was definitely a lot of fun. And and just the team itself was was also a ton of fun because it's just full of you know twenty guys that are like twenty guys that you're going to be playing against throughout the year, all around different teams. And they're all amazing guys and they're all unreal players too. So they make you better and you make them better. And it's just all around a really good experience.
0: Yeah. And you played uh, also some of the other um, tournaments that you've been in. A lot of players go through the max tournament down in Calgary. That's a big one. You're in the TELUS cup as well, Uh, but the uh, national Aboriginal Games. So what's that experience like for you? Yeah, that was also another
2: fun experience. Um, few times that I was lucky enough to, to go was the first one was in Toronto and the second one was in Duncan, BC. So two different, two pretty different, uh, um, just places to go like different, uh, uh, tournaments. And, uh, both of them were a ton of fun and both of them were, uh, pretty tough and competitive, but, uh, Lucky enough to win the one in Toronto, so that one definitely sticks out a
0: good one. <laughs> uh, I've had other uh, players, First Nation players, uh, on the show in the past, and, and a lot of them uh, feel like they're they're kind of carrying the banner for for Aboriginal players or uh, Indigenous players, um, and feel like trailblazers sort of things or pioneers. Um, guys like Ethan Bear and uh, and uh, Brandon Montour, a couple of NHLers like that, who have been on and talked about that for you going uh, south of the border and playing college hockey do you do you kind of feel that way as well
1: um
0: yeah i, I guess i guess.
2: i mean i think so yeah you're definitely proud of it uh it's something that i mean yeah i think i think that would be a good way to explain it i, I think just um just the just the achievement i think maybe would be would be something to uh to to say like that so yeah
0: Maybe you don't want to be known as a First Nations hockey player. You just want to be a hockey player. There's, I mean, that's nothing wrong with that either.
2: Yeah, either way. That, either way, whatever, whatever, uh, people or whoever want to want to say it, either way is fine with me.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, when do you leave for, uh, for Long Island? Uh, I mean, so much, uh, is up in the air still with, uh, the whole pandemic still going on. So what are the plans?
2: Uh, I mean, as far as, as far as I know, just with everything going on, like, I guess, Obviously, everything's pretty uh, up in the air still with, with COVID, obviously. But I think the plan of right now is to leave and get skating over there early September. So um, hopefully that stands and hopefully I'll uh, be over there in September. But uh, you never know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, now, are you uh, trying to do a little recruiting for the uh, for the Sharks as well? Are you talking to some uh, players or to the coaches and uh, suggesting players?
2: Uh, no, not really. I've, I haven't really done any of that at all, but I've, I've been seeing that they've been, I've just been seeing here and there, uh, some commitments, uh, around the Asian and around different leagues that I've kind of been familiar with. So.
0: Well, Dane, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I wish you the best of luck this coming season. Hopefully, uh, the season gets going, you know, on close to being a, a normal one. Uh, it should be a fun one though, uh, for Long Island. We'll be watching from afar. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. That was Dane Dubois, formerly of the Bonneville Pontiacs and uh, one of the newest uh, members of the uh, Long Island University Sharks. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that team fares. L- l- let's assume for a second, which in the unlikely case, that the college hockey season starts on time in October, just to see what their schedule is going to be like and uh, the putting together of a program on such short notice uh, see how it all transpires this year. I mean, I, I guess it's reasonable to expect it wouldn't to be a smashing success right out of the gate, but it's, it's going to be an interesting story to follow over the next three, five, ten years to see how that program really develops and evolves. I, I mean, you look at Arizona state, Penn state, both of them, they're having a lot of success here. And it, sure. The first couple of seasons were, were touch and go as well. And that's to be expected, but we'll see if uh, long Island can have that sort of success in the next decade. One more segment to go on this week's episode. It's a 2020 draft spotlight. One of the uh, top goaltenders available in the draft class is Dylan Garand from the Kamloops Blazers. We'll get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show.
3: No sleep till! Band
0: off the wall, falling there was long ago. Uh, he couldn't stop that rush on the right side. Good walks in, hands it up in front, Matt Sogard. Making a nice read there, stretched out those long legs.
2: Hey, it's Matt Sogard from the Medicine Hat Tigers and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
3: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time.
0: Back on the Pipeline Show, continuing this week's episode, this time with a 2020 draft spotlight, Uh, my guest today. Well, there's not a lot going on right now for most players, but uh, this guy's a little bit busy right now. Uh, Dylan Garanda from the Kamloops Blazers, one of the top-ranked goaltenders for the 2020 entry draft. Uh, Welcome to the Pipeline Show, Dylan.
1: How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today. And uh, it it is interesting times right now. Uh, There's not, uh, you know... Seems like slowly we're getting closer, inching back towards what might be uh, normalcy uh, across uh, well across Canada, at least. But for you, uh, right now, it's a little bit different because uh, there would be, you know, normally the Hockey Canada camps uh, would be, get going. And you're involved in one, but it's a virtual camp. Uh, explain to people what's going on for you right now.
1: Yeah, so pretty much, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be invited to the, the POE uh, goaltending camp that Hockey Canada puts on. Um, each year and I did it last year and, and, you know, typically we're in Calgary for four days and, you know, we get to, to get on the ice and, and all that. But, um, you know, obviously with everything that's going on, um, we weren't able to do that. So they're just running it through, through Zoom this year. So it, it's pretty much just, uh, it's about four seminars each day and you, know, you just kind of listen into it, um, you know, with, with the guests who are presenting and who, who are all NHL levels. So, um, it's pretty much just an educational camp and, um yeah it's pretty cool to to be a part of it um you yeah, know it's definitely a little bit irregular but um mm-hmm. still is is super beneficial for sure.
0: Yeah different no on ice stuff uh, obviously so this is all and what what kind of stuff are they talking to you about um just for the uh, for the audience's benefit um without uh, giving away any national secrets or anything or what hockey canada does necessarily but uh, what are you getting out of this?
1: Yeah uh I mean like I said it, it's a goaltender camp so a lot of it is is you know goalie talk and you know technique on the ice and stuff like that um mm. you know there's been been mental performance uh, seminar and as well as a f- uh, physical performance seminar but um a lot of it is just to do with you know you know experience through Hockey Canada um you know all of them are are coaches through Hockey Canada so they've all experienced like you know like the world junior tournaments and stuff like that so they just kind of um you know, kind of educate us of of what that's like and what to expect and and how to handle the adversity that comes with with each event.
0: All right, uh, Dylan Garand from the Kamloops Blazers, my guest. Uh, tell me about uh, the last couple of months. What life has been like for you? Uh, where are you? Are you on the island right now?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm uh, in Victoria.
0: All right. Well, it's uh, an awfully pretty place uh, to be. Uh, I guess isolated. But uh, um, tell me about the the last. Three months or so since uh, the season got canceled. What have you been doing to, to occupy your time?
1: Yeah, I mean, when when the season first ended, um, you know, I just kind of took a little bit of time off and and you know recovered um, from the season. Uh, obviously, it was unfortunate that you know we couldn't play on, but mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. And you know, as of late, um, I think I've been pretty fortunate that uh, you know my trainer has been keeping the gym open, so I've been able to you know get real off season training for. The past two months, and and actually this past month, um, the rinks here have been opened back up, uh, pretty fortunately. So I've been skating for about a month now. So
2: um,
1: honestly, like pretty fortunate. I've had a, a somewhat of a typical off season, um, so I'm really lucky to have that. But it's definitely, you know, with everything that's going on, it's definitely a uh, a bit weird for sure.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, go back to the end of the year, and the the Blazers were having a terrific season. Uh, the top team in the B.C. division uh, looked like certainly was going to be a, uh, you know, not an easy run through the playoffs, but the Blazers were expected to do pretty well. And you personally were having a great year. So for it all to come to a a premature end like that, uh, tell me how disappointing that was, not just for you, but for for the entire team.
1: Yeah, it was extremely disappointing. I mean, um, you know, for our whole team, uh, we all believed that, you know, we had a a really good shot at at making it all the way. And um, we all believed in each other. So, um, you know, when we didn't get that opportunity, I we was super disappointed. Um, I think it's probably the most disappointed I've been in my life about anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, honestly, it, it is what it is. It, there's kind of some bigger stuff going on right now. So I've, I've just kind of shifted my focus into, to preparing and getting ready to go for next season.
0: Where were you in the Blazers when, uh, when you were notified that the, the year was done?
1: Um, well, see, we just got back from a road trip and we had a day off and then next day we we're supposed to go to the rink and we got this text that we were having a, a conference call. Um, so don't go to the rink. And then, you know, we had that call and they told us that the season was on pause. And then a couple of days later um, we had another conference call and, you know, they're telling us that they're sending us home. And then, you know, the next day I got home, um, we had another conference call and they told us that it was done. So, That's pretty much how it went
0: down. Well, and then uh, you were able at least to to train uh, somewhat. Um, Disappointing, though, no playoffs and and obviously um, no draft yet, but no combine and all of those types of things. So everything that you've kind of been looking forward to at the end of the year suddenly is, well, up in the air or canceled completely. Has it been tough at all mentally just to kind of stay engaged, or have you been able to keep yourself busy? You talked about training kind of being... uh, normal for you so has that almost been the uh, the escape
1: yeah for sure i mean it hasn't it's obviously always disappointing but you know it's never it's not going to be something that's going to weigh me down i think um you know it's kind of an uncontrollable thing so i i'm just focused on what i can control and and what i can do to get better so right now i'm just trying to do everything i can to come in next season and uh pick up where we left off
0: Dylan Garand is my uh, guest goaltender with the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Dylan, is introduce my audience to uh, a player that is draft eligible, like you are. And not everybody that's hearing this will be junior hockey fan. Uh, in fact, most of them will probably be just uh, NHL fans, so they might not know you much about you at all. Uh, so let's get a bit of background. Uh, we mentioned you're from uh, Victoria. You're on the island right now. Um, how old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember?
1: I honestly don't remember I can't really I can't even think back of a time where I wasn't playing hockey so Hmm. uh, that's probably my answer to that question
0: all right have you always been a goaltender or do you start at a different position when you were younger
1: um you kind of you don't really like get to start off as a goalie you kind of have to rotate in and out and then I think it was my second year novices when I switched uh to full-time goalie
0: okay what attracted you to, to the position in the first place
1: um honestly there's so long ago, I can't really remember. The only thing that I, I do remember is kind of like my first time ever playing goalie. I was like super young and like the first level of hockey you could play. And, um, you know, guys obviously were pretty young. So guys couldn't really raise the puck off the ice. And I just remember this one kid came down and he shot it and he, he raised it off, off the ice and it hit me right on the sweet spot in the blocker. And, um, it felt so good. And, and then ever since then, I can't think of a time where I wasn't playing goalie.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, now, when you get to uh, custom your, customize your equipment uh, much, uh, do you get to design your own mask and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah.
0: All right, so tell, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your thought process in doing that. Anything significant or is it just team logo or, or how would you describe your mask?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is my, my first painted mask. Um, and for me, I was not not really a big guy into like showing off, like my personality and my helmet. I kind of just like to to keep it looking, you know, sharp and, and look good. So um, I kind of just have a couple team logos on there and nothing really too personal on it. But I think it looks pretty sweet. But I think um, I'll be getting the next one this upcoming season.
0: Now take me back to the uh, Bantam Draft. Third round selection, 58th overall by the Blazers uh, back in 2017. Uh, when I chat with players, a lot of them tell me they were able to stay home from school that day or other guys are – just following along at school uh, on their phone or whatever. What was the uh, draft day like for you, Dylan? Yeah,
1: it was, uh, I was was at school. I was actually in my English class, um, had my phone on my desk just watching, and then um, saw my name pop up from from Canloops, and uh, I was pretty excited for sure.
0: It's another BC team, but it's uh, not exactly nearby. So uh, knowing that uh, the odds were pretty good that you uh, would have to uh, move away, Uh, To play, Um, being chosen by Kamloops, uh, what was your immediate reaction that it was the Blazers?
1: Yeah, it was honestly, I was I was super happy that they chose me. I mean, um, I had never been there before, but you know, Kamloops is just kind of known to be like a a good place to play and and a good city. Um, And obviously, it's not too far away. It's about about a four-hour drive after you get off the ferry. So it's been it's been nice for my parents to be able to come up um, as well when when they're able to. So I was super happy that. You know, I got to stay in BC and, and get drafted to a team like the Blazers.
0: How have you developed as a goaltender over the last uh, couple of years? You played 27 games uh, last season as a rookie and up to 42 this past season. Uh, and uh, and your stats have improved. But how, how have you sort of uh, evolved as a, as a player yourself?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play, you know, a pretty good amount of games. Um, so I think that with that just comes experience. Um, time on the ice is is a huge thing, you know, not only games, but practices as well. I think, you know, it's, it's pretty simple that, you know, the more time that you're spending on the ice practicing, the better you're going to get at it. So um, I've, I think I've just done a good job at, you know, uh, shifting my focus when I, when I am on the ice to, you know, getting better and improving things and which has helped, uh, helped me a lot. And you know, I think my overall game just in every aspect has, has just uh, improved, but um, you know, I'm still, Still not uh, at my full potential yet, so I'm going to keep working.
0: This season's been such a long one for you. I mean, it goes all the way back to August, uh, getting to go over and, and play in the in the Helenka gretzky Cup uh, with Canada. You got into a couple of games there. What is that experience like?
1: Yeah, that was a, a terrific learning experience for me. Um, you know, I think I had a little bit of adversity at that uh, tournament. And, How so? Um, you know, I don't – well, I think I just came in um, a little bit uh, – you know, overconfident, I think. And, you know, I wasn't thrusted into the number one role. So that was a new experience for me. And, um, you know, and obviously, we didn't get the result that we wanted and winning a gold medal. So that was disappointing. But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm really happy that it happened because um, I learned a lot from, from that experience and um, definitely took that experience into this season and, and learned from it. And and I'm going to take it on for, for the rest of my career.
0: Well, it's interesting. If things don't go your way, how a player responds to that. Was was the Holinka-Gretzky Cup a disappointment for yourself on a team and a personal level then? Was that a motivator for you to, to get off to a good start in the dub?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, when you don't really have success at a, you know, a world stage like that, um, I think it just kind of puts a fire under you to, you know, get better and kind of humbles you a bit. So you just put the work boots on and, and go to work, and I think that helped me going into into the start of the season for sure.
0: I like that. Uh, now this is a big year. Obviously, it's your NHL draft season. Uh, has that been on your mind uh, at times during the course of the year? You try to not think about it too much, but I know other players really want to um, you know see where they're ranked and use that as a motivator to some degree as well. So how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I've always been into uh, kind of looking. Looking at the draft, I try not to, it's definitely not my primary focus in it during the year. Um, you know, the draft for me is, is an extreme motivator. I think, um, I'm, that's one of the reasons I was excited going into my draft year, just because I knew that, um, I was going to be able to have that extra motivation. Um, and yeah, like you said, sometimes, you know, you see where you're ranked and, you know, it, it's kind of a motivator, but at the same time, I, I really don't tie myself up with, with the rankings and stuff like that. I just kind of focus on, what's important and and helping my team win. And, you know, I believe that um, if you just focus on yourself and and get better every day, then then the things will take care of themselves. And the draft is another one of those uncontrollable things. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of keep that in the back burner and it will eventually take care of itself.
0: Does it matter to you what round you're drafted in? I I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt that you will get drafted. It's just a matter of by who and, and when. But if it's the second or the fourth or the sixth, does it matter to you?
1: No, I mean, obviously you want to get drafted as high as you can, but at the end of the day um, you know there's there 's been some great goalies who um, haven 't even gotten drafted or, or drafted in the fifth or seventh round. I mean some examples like Sergei Bobrovsky, who's my favorite goalie is and who I think the best in the NHL didn 't even get drafted and, hmm. and Connor Halbuck, who 's up for a Vezina, um was drafted in the fifth round, so for me um, it doesn 't really matter i'm just I'm just looking forward to see what team picks me and kind of um, be able to put that that plan together and you know finally know which team you know i'm going to be playing for one day
0: interested to know why uh, bob roski's your, your favorite goaltender
1: i just love the way that he plays and you know he's, he's super technical and he tracks tracks the puck like crazy and he's super fun to watch and yeah he's definitely my favorite for sure
0: Okay. Uh, now I, I wanted to ask you something about uh, size because I, I've talked to scouts uh, and there there are teams who don't like or don't look too closely at goalies who are say under six foot three. It's not like you're five eleven, but you're at six. I think what are you? Six one? I think you're listed at.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: When it comes to height, do you think that's overrated uh, for for goaltenders? I mean, you don't have to be six five or six six to to have success. Um, but yet there seems to be a stigma against goalies who might be your height or even a little, little shorter. Is that unfair?
1: Um, you know, it's definitely, it's a question that I've gotten a lot, uh, over the year. Uh, my thoughts towards it is, you know, I've, I've never, I've never ever thought that, you know, it matters. Um, I think there's, there's some benefits to, you know, having size for sure. Obviously you take up, you know, a bit more of the net, but at the same time, I feel like the big guys don't move as well. And, and for me as a shorter guy, I feel like, you know, my skating and my tracking, uh, makes up for it. I think, you know, if a player's coming down and, you know, there's, he sees a a bit more net over the shoulder. than if I were 6'4, um, it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm seeing the puck and I'm tracking the puck because I'm going to, I'm going to make the save. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's so many guys in the NHL who aren't 6'3. I mean, like, Flurry's like 6'1 and obviously, you know, Jonathan Quick and, and guys like that who, who have had Hall of Fame careers who are not big goalies. So, for me, um, you know, it's never really mattered. I, I totally understand why people think, you know, you have to be big and stuff like that. But for me, um, you know, I've just kind of not even taken that into account. And, and yeah, just kind of, you know, I am who I am and I'm just going to play the best of my ability.
0: Excellent. I like that answer. Uh, if you were a, a defenseman, I could ask if you're a stay-at-home guy or, a, you know, a, a two-way defenseman. If you're a forward, you know, are you a playmaker or a power forward? But you're a goaltender, so... How do you describe your style of playing net? I mean everybody these days is basically a butterfly goalie, but uh, is there something unique about the the way you play?
1: Um no, I think uh for me I'm just kind of more of a technical goaltender. I like to rely on my technique in in a lot of situations and um I think uh my skating is is pretty good and and I'm good at tracking pucks as well, which which is kind of the, the three keys in my game is is those so um, that's kind of how I'd summarize
2: how I play.
0: All right. No combine, obviously, but uh, I know a lot of teams have been talking to players and, and doing all these uh, Zoom meetings and stuff with players. Have you had a number of uh, uh, conversations with teams uh, um, leading up to the draft?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's quite a bit during the year. And then, you know, after it's been canceled, I've been back home. I've had uh, quite a few Meeting through, through the, over the phone or through Zoom as well.
0: Okay. Uh, we know the uh, the lottery will be coming up here in a couple of weeks. We still don't know when the actual draft itself will happen. Does it, at this point, you kind of just wish the we'd know to cross that finish line so you can kind of put a, a bow on this season and move on to next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would definitely you know be nice if they just did the draft for sure. But um, you know, at the same time. Uh, the league's gonna do what what they think is best for for themselves. So for me, it's just kind of kind of a wait and see. And you know, I'm not gonna put my life on pause for for the draft. I'm just gonna you know stick with it and and keep developing.
0: Great, Dylan. Listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I wish you the best of luck with the uh, training over the rest of this summer, and uh, hopefully we get back to uh, the rinks here uh, closer to normal in the fall. And uh, maybe when you guys roll through Edmonton, I'll uh, have a chance to chat with you again. Uh, when the Blazers and the Old Kings meet up,
1: for sure. Thanks for having me.
0: That's Dylan Garand of the Kamloops Blazers. Heck of a year for Dylan and for the Blazers, as far as that goes. But uh, I'm going to be interested to see where he is selected in the uh, draft. Ag- again, we're talking about a, a six foot one goalie, not a six foot five goalie. He's not Mad Sogard big, but he had better numbers than Mad Sogard this year. Uh, looking at the WHL uh, stats for goalies, had the third best goals against average. At a 221 and the third best save percentage uh, at 921. Uh, that's amongst starters. That's a heck of a season. And just because he's six one and not you know three inches taller, that's going to impact him that much. And come draft day, unfortunately, it might. And uh, to me, that's crazy. If you can stop the puck, you can stop the puck. But really liked his thoughts on uh, on that subject uh, a lot. Uh, Dylan a oh, one to watch for at the draft this year. That does it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks to all three guests that you heard from uh, earlier today with uh, Dane Dubois of uh, the LIU Sharks and uh, Clark Wilson, former WHLer turned actor, and uh, just this segment with uh, Dylan Garand. And uh, next week on the show, really don't have uh, a set schedule yet. So, hey, if there's anybody you'd like me to get on the show, you can let me know, fire me off uh, a tweet at tps underscore gee or you can email me gee at com. Uh, but i would hope to have one or two guys who are draft eligible and uh, whatever else is i want to say newsworthy but without a whole lot going on it's tough to find newsworthy things to talk about but uh, we'll try to uh stick to hockey so i don't lose any more patrons speaking of patreon.com slash the pipeline is where you can go it and uh, help support the show a couple of bucks a month's so all it takes and you get early access to all the interviews uh, that you're hearing in a full episode of the show. Uh, this particular one with Dylan, I did, I want to say it was uh, back on uh, Wednesday, it was uh, Wednesday, so today I'm speaking with you, it's Saturday, that interview has been available for patrons for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday already, four days. If uh, if you'd like to hear the interviews before most people do, a uh, couple of bucks a month all it takes, I don't see your credit card number, it's all done securely through PayPal and Patreon. So give it a look. Lastly, uh, don't forget that there is still a global pandemic going on. I know a lot of the uh, the news and attention has been uh, on other subjects uh, lately, but we can't forget that that's happening still. Take precautions to keep you and your family safe, and we'll all benefit in the long run. And We can get back in the rink and uh, start watching hockey uh, sooner as opposed to later. I know hockey is not the most important thing right now, but it is a hockey show. All right, till next week, everybody. Be safe, treat people with kindness. We'll talk to you next week. Till then, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya.